White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it is at ActonWall23 for myself. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and the show is at Locked On Sox. And we have a new YouTube channel, and with more of that, Chris Tannehill will tell you how you can subscribe and win a prize from us. Oh, just search Locked on White Sox on YouTube, and what I'm going to be doing is taking a random subscriber after we hit 1,000 subscribers, and I'm going to be sending out a prize package, a Locked on Sox prize pack with a shirt, maybe a mug, maybe some stickers. Don't worry, I'll hook you up, but you got to subscribe to the YouTube channel first and foremost. I'll be doing the same with people who give us a nice rating and comment on iTunes because we got to make sure we, we stay up there and stay chartable and stay relevant, so we know you're out there consuming the shows but just show some love it helps us out if you you know uh, give us a rating and subscribe on youtube but uh, we got some news here for the white Sox today a nice little uh, end of our week here this is our last show of the week i think before christmas here the white Sox making news today by signing number one international prospect Joakli Cespedes, he's the younger half-brother of Ioannis Cespedes. He's expected to sign with the White Sox for nearly $2 bucks, but it won't be official until January 15th or somewhere around there. He's 5'9", 205. He just turned 23. And he's the number one, number one overall international prospect and the number 12 overall prospect at Baseball America. And we've got a special guest here now to talk about Joakli, and that's our guy, James Fox of Future Sox, Southside Sox. He wrote a great piece for FutureSox.com today on Cespedes, and he joins us now. James, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt. I'd love to have you here. Uh, we, you know, we don't know what we're talking about when we uh, talk about these international signings and prospects, so we like to bring in an expert like yourself. So let's just start by talking about what kind of player is Cespedes. What are his best tools, would you say? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's plus arm. He's always been considered a plus runner. You know, I do think he's been described as like a little bit of a tweener, right, where he's maybe not a full-time center fielder, but they didn't think he had enough power for a corner. So, you know, like I've heard, um, you know, one of Herb's favorite guys, I think Carlos Gomez, like on the <laughs> on the very, very tippity high end, you know. I, I don't know if it, you know, gets to that point. I've heard Jock Jones, you know, I know people love comps. Um so, but he is, he's short, right? And everybody's obsessed with that, I feel like, but it doesn't really matter, I feel like, for a baseball player. The one thing, you know, you you said his name on the way in, and I'm not totally sure how to say it. Somebody <laughs> joked today that you could call him, like, yoked, because that's the rumor. The rumor is that he, you know, he defected, and then he's been, like, with Jonas the whole time now, and he's just, like, shredded. And yeah, I said 5'9", yeah, 205, but I saw this video of him from just a couple yeah. months ago, and he looks more like Jonas than he does in the, some of the other videos that I saw from him earlier, so that that's and, a good sign. And that typically happens with these guys, and obviously, like, look, we know the stories about Alexi Ramirez and Yohan Moncada eating, like, mayonnaise sandwiches and Twinkies. Like, these guys don't know how to eat, right? So, um, you know it's a common case where Cespedes is literally defected and then all he does is eat and hit and lift weights. 
So I, I'm going to be curious to see like what he actually looks like, you know, once they get him. Marco Patti has got a pretty good track record um, with stuff like this, and it's not a ton of money. I mean, he's an older guy, so um, I, I would say, you know, is he the answer to their right field problems like as early as next year? I don't know. Like, but I mean, they clearly signed him to move him fairly quickly. I would think he is 23, so I mean, maybe he's you know part of a solution in right or left, they obviously don't need him to play center field anytime soon. And what's this signing? I look immediately towards the numbers on baseball reference where they got his Cuban numbers down there. And I did the same for Jose Abreu and Yoan Mancada. Those jumped off the page, uh, Yoan Mancada and Jose Abreu. I looked at Cespedes numbers, didn't jump off the page. Tell me why he is this uh, highly highly touted prospect and why the White Sox went out and got him. Uh, for the what two million dollar price tag that they did, yeah. So I, you know, I think like you know the numbers. I agree with you. Like they're they're really not great, and he's been considered like more of like a tweener type defender, runner type guy. Um, nobody's seen him recently, which is the thing, right? So it's kind of like maybe he like shows up and just like starts hitting tanks all of a sudden, and like you know we realize why he was signed. It's also a two million dollar signing. So, I mean, yeah. this isn't Luis Robert, you know, where it's like $50 million committed. You know, this is – now, it, the bonus pools kind of limit these guys. Like, these guys are screwed. Like, this guy, Oscar Colas, you know, is like maybe the next guy. Um, with the limited bonus pools like this and most teams prioritizing 16-year-olds, um, these guys really get, like, the short end of it. So, what I would say is, like, I don't even think Cespedes is necessarily a top 100 prospect – everywhere he's probably like in the back half of the 10 for the white Sox, like six seven eight somewhere in there now that doesn't mean he can't be a big league contributor but it's still only you know it's two million dollars right so it's a it's a big deal it's cool that they are like using the money instead of like some of the stuff that they normally do um which but, we'll, we'll get know. to that yeah i know you have, yeah. you've got you've got yeah, opinions yeah, yeah, on yeah. that but but this isn't you know it's not like Luis Robert, I want to like caution people, you know, on that, like you're hoping for, you know, a guy that's going to like contribute to the big league team within like a few years here, but you know, he could have like under the tutelage of his brother and stuff and like better nutrition, he could all of a sudden just like pop and it looks like a, you know, a steal all of a sudden. So, you know, limited action in 2019 for Cuba, but how would you rate or rank, that level of competition for the, the Cuban national team and who they're playing? Is it like single A, double A? What, what's your best guess on the quality of competition that uh, Cuba's going up against? Yeah, so I think it's kind of been said that it's double A. Um, so he was on the uh, the World Baseball Classic team too, but that you know that's like not a ton of games. And again, like he's kind of like Ben Badler, Baseball America today kind of said like, you know, you got to kind of throw out some of that stuff because, you know, like you said, Chris, like he – you know, he's listed at 5'9", 205. He might actually be, like, 5'7". Um, but, I mean, he's going to look huge. Like, the first time we see him. Like, I think it might be a completely different profile to the point where he's more of a corner guy selling out for power instead of being, like, you know, this this tweener, like, 12 to 15 home run, like, speed guy. So, that, you know, the transformation there, I think, is going to be interesting. I don't – the Sox lately have sent these type of guys – to the Dominican summer league because it saves them money on their um, like on their tax thing and, and not the Sox money. It saves like the player money. Um, it happened last year when they signed with Gilbert Sanchez. So 
that would kind of suck and be a waste of time if this guy's got to spend the summer in the Dominican Summer League. Um, but, you know, if it is, it is what it is. Hopefully, I, I would say Winston-Salem probably, and then if he does well, Birmingham after that. Sending him right to Birmingham in that ballpark in that league, I think, might be rough. And I'm wondering, will this signing, and I'm, you know, I don't know anything about international signing and how much money is available for the White Sox, Will this signing preclude them from making more signings? Like you just uh, uh, talked about the Oscar Colas guy. Will this make that harder for them to do? Yeah, so the Colas situation is really weird. Like this international signing period was supposed to take place this past July. Um, And Major League Baseball pushed it back because of the pandemic, but mostly just because the owners were like, you know, we're not spending on this right now type thing. So then all these guys are like in limbo and they're all going to sign in January now. So my guess is this Cespedes had a deal with the Sox or, or like, you know, agreed upon like a long time ago, probably like as early as like July and they were going to sign this deal in July and then he couldn't. And now he has to sign it in January. Well, the issue with that is they have another Cuban right-handed pitcher, Norhe Vera, who's highly regarded. That's another million and a half. And then they have six or seven other sign like traditional, like 16 year old signings that equals like another 1.5 million or so. So like the Sox have like, they're limited to $5.4 million to spend on the market. They're like about at the, at the limit. So that's what makes the Oscar Colas thing. So strange is that they basically prioritize Cespedes is over him technically, but I think it's just because they didn't want to renege on a deal. Like I think they had set, they thought they were going to sign Cespedes in July. Right. And then maybe like Colas gets cleared. We'll push him to next July. Well, now the periods are January 2021 and January 2022. It's hard for me to believe that Oscar Colas is going to wait until January 2022 to sign with the White Sox. Um, but it sounds like he might because teams like don't have the money and they're not allowed to trade for more. So the same thing that happened to the White Sox happened to all these other teams. Tampa Bay, for instance, or San Diego, they could be like, oh, you know, we kind of like this Oscar Colas, but, you know, we've already got $5 million committed to like all these 16-year-olds. We can't come up with the money. So – Right away when I saw this today, I was like, okay, it's Cespedes. Um, they're not going to get Colas. But as, as the day has gone on, it seems like um, Oscar Colas might be possible too. It just wouldn't become official until next January, 20, next January 2022, which is crazy because he's already, you know, like 22, 23 years old as well. So that, that'll be I, – I, I was I – was, hoping to be done with Oscar Colas questions, but it seems like it's going to be another year probably. Well, you know, we, we've gotten quite a few questions about Oscar Colas and recently in the mailbag and just, you know, real before we get back to Cespedes, you know, if you're a team, what do you, what do you do with Colas? I mean, is, is the, this, the pitcher hitter tandem, like a pitcher, you know, position player tandem, like what would you do with him? Or what do you think teams are going to do uh, if they sign Oscar Colas? Let's say the White Sox sign him, for example. What do you think their plan would be uh, for him? Just, you know, uh, a pitcher or try to do the dual threat thing like with Shohei Otani? What do you think they do there? No, I think he's probably just a left-handed bat. He's very much like trimmed down as well, too. He was a bigger dude that looked like destined for DH and now – he's in shape as well, like doing the same things that like we just talked about. So I think he's a corner outfield profile, but he's a power hitter from the left side. Um, the pitching thing, like he pitched in Cuba, I think out of like, you know, cause he threw like in the nineties, um, but not, you know, I, I don't think there's a pitching future. I think the worst thing that ever happened was, I think it was Jeff Passan, like called him the Cuban Otani. 
and he he's just not that like he does both things and he hits for power um so i don't i don't think anybody will have him pitch honestly i think he's just a hitter and you know he's gotten himself in shape so he's not first base dh only so you know it, it, it's it's going to be interesting like if he does commit to the socks there are weird rules where like some guys can go stay at the facility in the dominican republic um and there's like these it's called tricky league and they like play backfield games with like other guys that like aren't signed that like live at the facility. So, I mean, like I'm sure he could like get baseball in, but he wouldn't technically even be a member of their team like officially until, you know what I said, like January of 2022, which would be crazy. Now with the minor leagues changing, you know, could they like, could he go play for like uh, the Schaumburg boomers or something? Maybe, I mean, then maybe that's like one of the benefits of this thing. Um, but I'm sure uh, major league baseball, announced today that he can sign January 15th. So if he doesn't sign with the team, I would think that that's a pretty good indication because the White Sox have money for next year. I'm just wondering, and I read your piece on Future Sox, and if you guys aren't uh, following and watching and reading Future Sox, you should be doing that right now. He's staying on his brother's ranch, and as I recall – Mr. Jonas Cespedes had a trouble with a wild hog, a wild boar on his ranch. Hopefully this youngster, and while he's not eating great shakes, can stay away from the wild boars because that Jonas, man, he had a, a, a great start to his career. He's just fallen off off the, off the radar after since he's been on Met. And then that ankle injury in 2019, opting out in 2020, it was so much promise for him. I hope his brother doesn't follow in his footsteps. Yeah, I wonder if like riding the wild hog is like part of the workout regimen. Like, it's like I, I gets you yoked. Yeah, Jonas seems like uh, I don't know. He's like a country dude, right? He's got like well, the thing they said about him was he was you know a little bit typical, I guess, where he would just buy like a million like overpriced sports cars and stuff. Um, but then yeah, he also has like a ranch and horses and like all sorts of stuff like in Florida. So I guess it'll be interesting to see if like Jonas now is is part of your DH solution on the South side. And that's part of the, you know, they got a discount on the younger brother. So now they're going to get Yoannis like cheaper to DH and suck for the White Sox. Talking with James Fox here. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I enjoy about James Fox on, on social media being one of the White Sox, you know, uh, you know, pontificators is that he's a lot like myself where he looks at things from a 30,000 foot view and tries to look at a big picture scope of the organization and doesn't have like hot fiery takes on why this is the worst thing ever or the best thing ever. But one thing that, you know, you, you have spoken a lot about and it, and it come back into play today with this signing back in 2019, the White Sox traded Nate Jones to the Rangers along with $1 million of international space in exchange for two fringe mm. pitching prospects. Uh, explain to your average fan who doesn't pay attention to these type of transactions, and, and it may not seem like a big deal, but a lot of us on Twitter argue about this. And explain, I guess, why this type of shit matters when you're when you're dealing uh, in the international market, and why this could affect the White Sox in the big picture now from a move that they made uh, a year and a half ago. Yeah, so I mean, it's essentially like trading fake money for real money, and like on the surface, right? Like if you don't pay attention, it's like, Oh yeah, great. Like they made a deal for the organization. Right. It's, it's kind of like Jerry Reinsdorf doing the Jordan bell thing for like where he sold the second round pick for $3 million. <laughs> it's literally just like that. Right. So, you know, the white Sox say they had $1.25 million of international space and it's not money. It's the right to spend that much money basically. 
laying around. They didn't have anybody to sign. There's nobody we can sign. Marco said, ah, we're done, you know, whatever. So, you know, instead of paying Wellington Castillo and Nate Jones's buyouts themselves, hanging on to that money and waiting to see like if somebody else just like showed up on the market, Texas paid those buyouts of real money. And then you gave Texas the right to spend that 1.25 million on prospects, which is absurd, you know, <laughs> like, so, so like, it looked like it wasn't going to matter. Right. Well, coming back to this now, the pandemic happens, this Norhe Vera, this Cuban righty that they're signing in January, he's been cleared to sign for like a year. Right. So you could have used that 1.25 million to sign him in retrospect. And right now you'd have like an extra $2 million to sign Oscar Colas right now. So, you know, in their defense, um, they didn't know that like the pandemic was happening and that the rules were going to change, but regardless, like it's still stupid, like pay your own buyouts and keep your international space and spend it every year. Like it, they have $5.5 million in international space to spend every year. It's a finite resource. Just spend it on players. Like there's no reason to, you know, it, it, it's it like a re- research and development, basically, you know, yeah, like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And the buyouts weren't that much like the buyouts were like one point five million or something like that total, you know, and that's totally it's just a total Jerry move to, you know, save them. He doesn't like paying players to not pay for him, but they have buyouts on the contracts. So I don't know if it, going back to that. It's funny. I think last year. I think Steve Ciszek and uh, Edwin Encarnacion, they didn't have 2021 buyouts, I don't believe, on their contracts. They were just like, you know, they had option years, but right. there was no buyout to pay. So maybe the Sox learned their lesson and they didn't want to, <laughs> you know. We're going to take a quick timeout here. We'll be back with more with James Fox on the Joakli Cespedes signing. But first, a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. You guys ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there's some huge matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer, and there's only one place that has you covered and only one place we trust here on Lockdown White Sox. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Just taking an early look here at some of the NFL lines this weekend, I'll be looking at that Bears game, the Bears at Jacksonville. Bears nine-point favorites heading into Sunday. Bears playoff hopes on the line. I'm looking at an over-under here of 47 for that one. Bears finally moving the ball well with Mitchell Trubisky. I'm inclined to go under, though, on the 47 there with the Bears winning outright and covering that nine-point spread. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON. That'll get you 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. Download the app for Apple or Android today. Now let's get back to the show. I wonder, I mean, I know that uh, one of the reasons why Luis Robert came here is because of Jose Abreu and the rich history of White Sox with their Cuban players, of course, starting with Minnie Minoso. I wonder if in Cuba, the White Sox signal, like it's kind of like, okay, that's my first choice because I see so many of me playing for them. Is do you think the White Sox, you know, just being so successful in Cuban signings that we already talked about Alexei and Yo and Yoan, just being so successful with these players from Cuba, will that start having a nice pipeline with even bigger players than the guy who we just picked up on Cespedes? I think so. I think, you know, I think Marco Patti has a lot to do with it because he has relationships there, but I think Jose Abreu is probably that dude, right? That's what, and look, Herb, I'm, I'm kind of like you where I, 
thought some of that stuff was a little bit overrated. I hated the Jose Abreu extension last year. I, you mm-hmm. know, I think I'm on the record as saying like you have coaches for a reason and this isn't a daycare center, you know, rude, <laughs> rude, rude stuff like that. Obviously neither one of us saw like the Jose Abreu MVP season coming. Right. No. But look, man, it's mattered to like this organization. Like he's stewarded a lot of these guys. And yeah, I, I would think like if you're, Yoelki Cespedes or whatever, and somebody's offering you two and a half million dollars and the White Sox are offering you $2 million and all your countrymen are there. Like, yeah, I mean, they probably do have the leg up. I mean, they just keep signing guys year after year. They get two more this year. Right. And Oscar Colas might wait to sign with you, you know? So yeah, I, I think it's like a definite, you know, we joke about like a Cuban pipeline um, and, you know, they should put like a cigar shop like out on the, out on the concourse, which would be awesome by the way. Um, <laughs> or a, you know, like a, you know, a cigar, like a smoke room or whatever. But I mean, it's been, it's real. They're, they got a ton of Cuban players like dating back to Minnie Minoso and everybody goes back to him. But I mean, I think this really started, um, you know, with, with Jose, it seemed because I mean, like Alexi was, was, was a good player for a long time. And Diane Biciato, they gave him the most money. You know, Duque. Yeah. I, they've, I think they've gotten guys for less money lately because of it though okay well on, on the flip side of that you know you look at the dominican pipeline for the white Sox, and it's virtually non-existent at least at the big league level sure you've got eloy but he was a cubs prospect like wh- why are they so effective in cuba but not so many results yielded on the on the dominican pipeline yeah so this is where you know it's a it's a little bit of an issue right i think like it's easy to look at the white Sox internationally and look at all the players they have to be like wow the white Sox are like an international powerhouse type team they're really not like they, they hang back. They have money left over. Right. So they're often a landing spot for these like 19, 20, 21 year old guys that like don't have a, they're, they're not Jerry Reinsdorf does not like spending three, $4 million on 16 year olds, you know, in, in the international market. And that's how you sign these guys. Like Eloy Jimenez, the Cubs signed him for, like three or $4 million, like in his signing year, Mike Rodolfo, a name everybody knows. That's still like the biggest bonus for a 16 year old, like for the White Sox, it's 1.5 million. It's like 10 years ago too, I think. I know. (laughs) Jesus. Small market, small market clubs every year routinely hand out three, $4 million to, you know, Venezuelan and Dominican born players. And it, it's puzzling. I've heard that it's, you know, like the Dave Wilder thing was an issue you obviously and some of it like some of it might be like jerry's like morally opposed to it you know which whatever right like that's the name of the game but i mean you would think he'd be all over it because you know the one thing the white Sox do they play at the top of the market for catchers and for relief pitchers apparently but for nobody else like we've seen them swing and miss on pitchers and manny machado and everybody else and you know we can make the jokes about them not spending at the top of the market because it's mostly true. Right. But this is an area where if you spend at the top of the market, like it's like Wander Franco is on the raise and he got like $4.2 million like to sign. Right. And that dude's going to be one of the best players in baseball for seven years and cost nothing. You know, this is like an area where Jerry should spend, like they should spend, they have Marco Patty. They don't let Marco Patty do his job. Marco Patty, you know, signed or scouted and signed Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, it, it, like the guy knows what he's doing, but but they're he's also limited because you know of the way that they operate, and it is, yeah, it's 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 puzzling. The Dominican pipeline is not great. Like they'll get three hundred thousand dollar Dominicans like occasionally, and we have some guys on the top 
uh, 30 list of future stocks that are like in the like 18 to 30 range. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not what other teams have, you know, the, the guys that the Sox do have, they traded for, right. Eloy, they didn't sign Eloy, the Cubs did, you know, so like they can identify and trade for them, but it is one area where, you know, they're not great. I've been, I've been very critical of how they operate internationally while also praising the fact that they have Marco Patti. They'll they'll sign you if you have a brother. Like, isn't Eloy's brother? Didn't they sign him? And then did, Elijah yeah. Tatis as well. So, like, if you if it's in your bloodlines, they want to see a proven in the bloodlines that it'll work out. It's it's very yeah. dumb and frustrating. So apparently, apparently though, there's a 14 year old Tatis that's supposed to be the best one in the family. <laughs> mm. And and Patty, you know, Patty has a great relationship with the father. Like when they traded Fernando. Nobody had any idea. I don't know if you guys remember, like, back to that. Like, I remember Barstool Dave sending me a text message, like, yeah, they're getting James Shields, and it was, like, Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis. Like, Great. You know, what up? Like, nobody, literally nobody knew. And then a week later, yeah. Keith, Keith Law was like, oh, they made a mistake. And it was like, oh, shit, you know? So, yeah. And, it, and, and, it, and, and look, we shouldn't know that, right? But they sure as hell should. Like, it should, it should have absolutely never happened. But it's not like, you know, any of us were, like, you know, ruining the day that they traded Fernando Tatis Jr. to try to win. I'm just trying to figure out, we were talking about Marco Patti and the White Sox maybe not allowing him to do his job to the full effect. We got him from the Blue Jays. What's keeping Marco Patti here with the White Sox? Like, I, I he's a longtime scout. I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be, you know, long for just scouting for his career where he can be somebody else. So a guy who's got talent evaluation in his blood, like he does should be doing something much more for an organization because it's like, while he's doing well for the white Sox, I think he can be uh, lending his talents and making more money. If he was like a higher, maybe not a general manager, just, just the guy below the general manager, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it is puzzling. Like, and I don't look, I don't know how much he makes obviously, but he's got a weird title, just like Nick Hostetler's got a weird title. Now they're like assistant to the general manager, but that's the same title that Jim Tomey has. And I'm pretty sure Jim Tomey doesn't really do anything. So (laughs) plays a lot of golf. So it's just, just does the open the show. I don't, I don't know if it's just a matter of like, you know, I think he's got a good relationship with Kenny, you know, but like if it's just a matter of like, he gets to do whatever he wants with that department other than, you know, sign 16 year old Dominicans for $3 million. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, like, I think they're his scouts. Like he, he operates like the way that he wants to. So look, man, the, you guys know, like the, the White Sox is a great place to work. I mean, there's a reason Rick Hahn's still there, you know, Never after, gonna lose your job. After, after everything that's happened. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if he, if he left for more money somewhere, I wouldn't be surprised, but also I kind of think he does, he does the job um, of a much younger man. Like if you look around like the league, the head international guy usually gets promoted like really quickly. It, it's a job for like younger, younger people because they're literally um, like all over the world, like scouting players. And he does it, you know, and I think he's Marco's like in his late forties, which isn't old by any means, but it's kind of old for that job. So yeah, I mean, he gets he gets to do what he loves, like in Chicago, and gets left alone for the most part. And my guess is he makes he makes probably pretty decent money doing it. You, this has been incredibly informative. We appreciate your time, James. Just one last thing for me, kind of a double double tiered question here. One is, where do you think ultimately uh, Cespedes will will wind up playing with the White Sox uh, come? March or April? What 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 are his plans going to be? And also, what 
what have you heard about just minor league baseball in general? Like if you want to just narrow it down to White Sox focus, like what are they going to do if if they can't get these teams up and running uh, by by the middle of summer? And now you all of a sudden you have all these prospects who already lost a year of development and the guys that they couldn't keep with them at the Schaumburg facility. What what is there? Do you think they have a backup plan going into this so they so they don't lose another year of these guys? What do you think is going to going to happen uh, with the state of the minor leagues here in twenty twenty one? Yeah, so I'm fairly optimistic that this year, like at a minimum, they could at least house the players like in Arizona, whereas like last year, everybody was like home. You know, I I think, you know, like, look, we do have a vaccine. Not everybody's getting it right. But I do think minor league baseball, like small town USA, like they're going to do everything they can to have baseball because they they have to like have baseball or they're going to go out of business. So like my like even if baseball starts on time, which I don't know if any of the three of us like think that's going to happen the minors are still delayed like a month because they're talking about major league spring training, go in with whatever, like your 40 man roster guys and then whatever. And then the season starts, then the minor leaguers like have their own spring training after that. And then their season starts for like an abbreviated season. So that's the plan. I think their plan is like, ideally they're playing late May. Um, and it's some sort of a condensed schedule. Uh, the White Sox lost great falls, which is their high rookie level affiliate. So, but everything else is the same. The stuff people care about is the same. Um, Charlotte, Birmingham, Winston, Kannapolis, and then they'll have a rookie ball team at their complex in Arizona. Um, so it's just, it's going to be, you know, it's less players. This is what the owners wanted. The draft's going to be 20 rounds instead of 40. And look, I've said like the draft didn't need to be 40, right? You don't need to be drafting your scouting director's niece, like in round 36 <laughs> anymore. Like it's fine. This will make, uh, you know, it'll, it'll end some dreams a little bit early probably, which is unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate in small towns where you're used to seeing affiliated players and now you might not, but indie ball is going to be a heck of a lot better. Um, so you'll be pulling guys out of independent league all the time because you, you have a need for less players. Um, the biggest issue I see with the minor leagues is if you have a kid that like tears up rookie ball and he's great. Um, and then he gets promoted to a ball and he's terrible. Like, where do you send them then? Right. There's no more buffer zone. Usually those guys would go to great falls. It's like an advanced rookie. Now you don't have that. So you either got to let him sink like an a ball um, or go all the way back down to Arizona where he's already dominated. So that's, you know, just like from a future socks, like what we do standpoint, that'll be some of the stuff we look at, but like the common fan, if they're playing, you won't really notice a difference because like the top guys are still in the system and the main four affiliates are still, you know, are still playing and they didn't make any changes. Jerry, Jerry loves those Southern affiliates down there. I was hoping for our sake with what we do that they were moved to King County or, or Schaumburg. That would be awesome. We'd have somebody there every night, but they just, you know, they, they like the affiliates down in uh, North Carolina. I was just wondering from the last thing I got, and I know it's not the same in 2021 as it was in 2020, but I was shocked by Cody Hoyer. I was shocked by Matt Foster. Didn't see him coming because, you know, I don't pay much attention to the minor league system as I should. Um, are there people down in what would have been Schomburg or the years before that were coming? And there, then in 2021, you might see out of the bullpen, you might see a spot start or something like that. You're like, this guy you better watch out the guys that we haven't heard from before or just low, lower tier guys in the, in the White Sox top 30. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that now, right. Is that guys are going to come out of nowhere for like all 30 teams because we didn't have minor league baseball. So it's going to be like, Oh, this guy, nobody's ever heard of this guy. Yeah. He was great at somebody's alternate site. Nobody knows. 
Um, I, I think the guys you're talking about, we saw because they had no choice, right? Like we saw Zach Birdie. We, we didn't see Tyler Johnson in the majors, but he's another guy. Like they added him to the 40 man. They added Berger and Sheets, which, you know, is more of a case of like, they didn't want to lose those guys. I feel like, cause they're, you know, those guys aren't ready, but you don't want to lose them for nothing. The White Sox, um, you know, I'm glad they went outside the organization for Ethan Katz, but their minor league pitching guys have been great. Like Cody Hoyer and Foster, you know, they didn't just sneak up on you. Like Matt Foster wasn't ranked for us on a top 30 list, like, you know, for four years. I mean, he's a 20th round pick out of Alabama. All of a sudden they like changed a grip and he's got a plus changeup. You know, that I mean, he wouldn't have been a 20th. He wouldn't have been a 20th round pick if he had that changeup. Like he just wouldn't have. So that's the type of stuff, you know, that you don't really find out. So um, I guess Cade McClure is like a name. He was a six rounder out of Louisville, like back in 2017. He's had a lot of injury issues. He was like the talk of fall instructs. Um, and not that he'll be, a, I mean, he's like a fifth starter maybe, but still, I mean, you get a six round pick, fifth starter. That's pretty good. And it, you know, it's obviously not a, not a Cubs podcast, but look like they, they've had trouble on the, they haven't developed any pitching on the North side at all. And it's like one thing that's a little bit unheralded with the Sox is they just have pitching all the time and it's not great pitching, but even if you build a bullpen with draft picks, I mean, that's, that's like doing something right, you know? So yeah, they, they always have guys like that. Um, and then as far as on the offensive side, they don't need anybody. Right. I mean, they, yeah. you got your right field hole. We're not happy with Adam Eaton, but I mean, like they, they don't, they don't need like a ton. So, you know, unless it's Yerman or uh, like Luis Gonzalez in a backup role, you know, I, I think the, the, the fun guys to watch in the White Sox system are really far away. They're, they're guys at rookie ball are actually like really exciting for the first time in a while. Right, one more thing, then, while we're on the topic, we could talk to to James for hours here about some of these, a lot of the young talent that the White Sox have and how they, you know, relate to the twenty twenty one picture. All right, Zach Collins is a backup catcher. Does that work for you in twenty twenty one? Do you think that's what they'll do? Yeah, so it works for me, but I'm the wrong guy to ask because I've always really liked Zach Collins. Um, I, I don't think he looked bad like when he caught Dunning. You know, I mean, look, you signed Yasmani for all that money. Like, I think he's playing one hundred and thirty games probably at catcher. You know. And you don't have the James McCann blanket there anymore. So I think it's probably Collins. And I think they probably signed like a veteran defensive type guy, right? Like, even if that's like the return of uh, like Kevin Smith or somebody like that to like catch Lucas, if that's what you want to do. Um, and then Collins is in the first base DH mix too. Everybody loves Yerman. I'm cool with like Yerman being on the team, but I don't, I don't think Yerman catches, um, in the big leagues. And then Sebi Zavala is still on their 40 man, but I don't really, I don't even know if he can hit enough in the big leagues to be a backup. I mean, he, he struck out like 36% of the time at Charlotte and everybody hits and and everybody hits in the international league. I mean, he's got power, but you know, that's about it. So, you know, those guys are all on the 40 man. So as of right now, I mean, Rick Hahn said, that's like your competition. That's like something GM say, right? Like if they signed Jason Castro next week, I don't think any of us would like be surprised. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Collins is going to be on the team. The one thing about him, he hasn't played at all. So he doesn't have any value, any trade value. Um, he's probably a platoon guy. Like I think he can hit righties in the big leagues, but that might be all he can do. Um, and Ricky Renteria did not like Zach Collins. So, you know, now that, now that Rick, now that Ricky's gone, now that Ricky's gone, Collins might get some more time. I mean, even think about like end of 2019, Wellington Castillo was playing over. 
way right? too much. And it made no, it just made no sense at that point. Right? So like, how do you, Zach Collins, like Zach Collins might suck, but let's find out, right? So, so how do you think Ricky felt about that that glorious playoff at bat there from Zach Collins? Was, was yeah, Ricky probably like, oh, I this know. is it, this is the end for yeah. me? Yeah. Well, and he's the type of guy where, like, if you look at the minor league numbers, right? Like, if you look at advanced numbers, you're like, oh, this guy's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. If you just listen to your little league coach, he sucks because he strikes out all the time. <laughs> so he's a three true outcome guy. He's at on base percentage is close to 400 in the minors. You know, most of the damage is done against righties. Like he's done everything he can in the minor leagues. But the problem is that type of player needs to play. I don't think Zach Collins is ever going to be good, you know, if he gets, what, six, seven at-bats a week. I just, I don't, I don't know, you know. And then it, it makes a guy like that tough to trade, too, because then you're selling low because he's never done anything. So he might just be in a really bad spot. Um, he does have a good relationship with Yasmani, though, dating back to Miami. So maybe that is, like, you know, your tandem, and then you hope that it's good enough defensively. That's the voice of James Fox. You hear more of that type of insight on Future Sox, and also he can he writes on Future Sox, and also what Southside? Yeah, Southside Sox. Yeah, Southside Sox. Okay, James, thank you for joining us. I mean, this was informative. Like two guys who really don't know anything about the organization past the major league squad, and guys like yourself are hooking us up, and our guy Mike Rankin too, and all the people at Future Sox actually. Yeah, thanks for having me. The podcast is great, guys. I listen all the time. Thanks, James. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again uh, very soon, I think, uh, closer to spring training, which will hopefully be uh, in April. I'm cautiously optimistic, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but but I'm sure we'll talk to you before then. Long way to go between then and now. So but we appreciate your time tonight, man. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. You know, folks, the holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash this holiday season. The new Locked on Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked on Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, how great right. was Foxy right there, man? He's a good. And uh, we kept him longer than I than I told him we would. But uh, you know, just when you got a guy like that who's who's seen a lot of these younger players, and we get a lot of these questions during the mailbag about guys like Zach Collins and you're mean, and we didn't even get to Mike Rodolfo, the most asked about uh, guy on the show. But yeah, how how awesome was James right there, man? Just awesome. I mean, like we said, we're mostly on the major league squad it's good to have people who are well-rounded the guys that guys and girls who watch the minor league people and also the major league staff and know what's going on like that international pool money thing was blew me away didn't know that you had a certain amount of money i knew kind of but didn't know specifics but follow james fox on twitter follow our guy mike rankin on twitter follow future socks this is how you become a more well-rounded fan. When we need something on a future future White Sox player, we literally go to Future Sox. Nowhere else. Enjoy what they do at Future Sox and go there right now. Follow them and follow James and follow Mike Rankin. All right, Herb. That's all I got tonight. All right. For Chris Tannehill, follow him at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence. Ecknerwall23 is my Twitter handle. The show is at Locked on Socks. And if you want to email us for our Mailbag Monday or Talk to Us Tuesday episodes, it is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Send your email questions. It's going to take a lot, a huge amount to beat what we did on the Tuesday episode. And my thing just fell out. If we were recording on the video, my uh, headphone just fell out, You're but good. I don't need it. Uncle Pete. Uh, Uncle Pete stole the show. People enjoy the contributions from Uncle Pete. Oh, yeah. 
Uncle Pete's Pete. gonna get us fired. <laughs> I mean, but I enjoy his, it. <laughs> I mean, Uncle Pete. We have another guy that did something else special. I forgot his name. Um, and then Tanny with his uh, trip to Home Alone house. So we had nice fun uh, talk about that. Uncle Pete providing the Walter E. Smith content. I mean, send it to LockedOnSocks at Gmail right now. Doesn't have to be about sports, as Uncle Pete has proven to us. The guy who sent us the socks in the city, that guy, yeah, who started that whole segment. I forgot his name, Roger. But yeah, Roger, good job. Keep on doing these get things, guys. We'll, you know, if you got suggestions for us, we'll listen to it, and sometimes we'll implement them. So for Chris Tanner, Merry Christmas, um, everybody! What this is our last oh, yeah. show before Christmas, and hope you guys, you know, have a nice, safe Christmas. And you know, t- if you're off of work, I know a lot of uh, a lot of you guys are. I am this week and next week. Like, take a moment to just appreciate. Like, we're we're almost through this thing, man. 2020 is almost over. We got a little bit of work left to do, but. If you got a young kid, just try to enjoy the these moments, man. I'm certainly enjoying having the six-year-old in the house, and we picked up her letter from Santa Claus today. It was a great thrill, and just try to appreciate these these little moments, like Tony Soprano once said. And enjoy what your you say? someday soon. You're gonna have families of your own, and if you're lucky, you remember the little moments like this. Like me and you recording the podcast, you know, just a little more. I was a, I was a, I was a saying. <laughs> Remember Santa. what Santa say? <laughs> oh, what is Santa say? <laughs> in the letter. You got, oh, oh, you guys didn't know that. No, her. yeah, no, Sorry, yeah. Santa was was impressed that she wrote the letter on her own, and she drew a picture to hammer the point home. Uh, so yeah, she, you know, where she's just you know reading and writing on her own now. So Santa was very uh, impressed by that. Um, but yeah, man, just try to enjoy uh, the, this this time here, and you know, we can't all be together, and I'm sure. You know, everyone's family plans have changed a little bit, but just try to appreciate it for what it is. And at, at the very least, appreciate that 2020 is almost over, man. So that's all I got. Yeah. And so, yeah, I echo the sentiments of Chris Tannehill there. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us again on Locked on Socks. Merry Christmas. Bedford Falls. <laughs> <laughs>